Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, we're going to break down the enormous business of this year's Super Bowl 42 in Glendale, Arizona. What's the economic impact for the host city? How much money will players on the winning and losing teams make? And how much money will Fox rake in from advertising sales within their broadcast of Super Bowl 42? We'll have the answers to those questions and more coming up in segment three of our show. In segment four, SportsSense, Denny Galati. He's the VP of Creative Development for Anheuser-Busch. He's going to join us. Anheuser-Busch has purchased seven spots during this year's Super Bowl to the tune of about $18 million. If you've ever wondered how the creative process for developing a Super Bowl ad unfolds or if Super Bowl advertisers can choose the placement of their Super Bowl spot, You won't want to miss my conversation with Galati in segment four. Anheuser-Busch has taken home the best Super Bowl spot award for the last nine years as voted by USA Today's ad meter. So these guys are the best in the business when it comes to creating ads that resonate with consumers. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog and download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Nathan, uh, good to have you here this week. And, you know, I wanted to get someone on the show this week who has a spot in the Super Bowl. And lo and behold, we found someone who has seven and is spending, like I just said, $18 million. Really amazing. Well, it's not even about the seven spots. It's about the company. And Budweiser, as everybody knows, does some of the best spots during the Super Bowl and on TV in general. I love watching them. Dude. Dude, dude, I love that spot. That's a great and spot. And who could forget? What's up? See, and I think that they usually. I always picture these ad guys and creative guys sitting around drinking beer, coming up with great ideas, which sounds like the ideal job for me, Brian. Well, and Denny will tell us about that process. And then one of the questions I've always had is, if I want to put my spot in the fourth quarter, can I do that? If I want to put my spot right after the kickoff, can I do that? Is it first come, first serve? That's something that we'll talk to to Denny Galati about. Keep in mind, Anheuser-Busch, $500 million a year they spend in marketing. They are the top company in North America when it comes to advertising with sports. So this will be a fun conversation coming up in segment four. But first, we've got lots of headlines coming up. You're listening to Sports. Business Radio will be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs, Themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, 
passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, about 12,000 athletes who have played college football or basketball from February 2002 through the present are entitled to be reimbursed from a $10 million fund made available via a settlement of a federal class action antitrust suit against the NCAA filed by four athletes in February of 2006. The plaintiffs argued that restricting scholarships to the cost of tuition, housing, books, and meals constituted an unlawful restraint of trade because of the billions of dollars the NCAA earns through broadcast and licensing deals. Going forward, students with financial or academic needs will have easier access to $218 million through the 2012-2013 school year that is available to D1 schools from CBS's $6 billion contract with the NCAA Men's Hoop Tournament. Now, Nathan, one of the interesting things here is we talk all the time about how college sports has become professional, and they're making billions of dollars from the NCAA tournament, from football, and that the athletes, you know, Vince Young, Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, these guys are making their schools lots of money. Should they share and get more than just tuition, books, things like that? Well, it looks like according to this ruling, that might be a trend for the future. Well, yeah, what's difficult, though, is that it, it compromises the amateur status that a lot of these athletes might have. For example, I played tennis in college. If I take any money in college or otherwise, I'm ineligible to play college athletics, and it jeopardizes, look at golfers, their amateur status to play professional versus amateur golf. So I think it's tricky, and I think Title IX might uh, might sway this a little bit one way. Well, Title IX basically says that if you pay men's players, you got to pay women's players, and if you pay some of the men, you got to pay all the men. If you pay some of the women, you got to pay all the women. So it wants equality, which is fine. But People have argued that, again, if you're one of these elite athletes and you're making billions of dollars for your university and for the NCAA for TV contracts and things like that, shouldn't you get more than just tuition? One of the ideas has been to put a trust aside. So if you're one of these elite athletes and your jerseys are selling like gangbusters, why shouldn't you be able to tap into that money once you've graduated and foregone your amateur status? Well, I know that this is – you know, this isn't relevant to all the athletes, but let's face it. If you're one of those elite athletes that's bringing in millions, billions of dollars for universities, then you're most likely going to play professional athletics at some point. And I know that's an assumption, but Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, those guys so are going to play pro the, sports. But why should the universities get a quote-unquote free ride even – Though you're an amateur. Because Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart know this. As an athlete, you know going into college that you're an amateur, and you are not entitled to what the university makes off of that that amateur or professional status. I don't disagree or agree, but I think it's tough. Well, this was an interesting ruling. We'll definitely keep our eyes open because, like I said, it could could open up Pandora's box, so to speak. Uh, Headline number two, Nike is close to signing Roger Federer to a new 10-year contract extension that stands to be the most lucrative tennis endorsement ever. That's according to the Sports Business Journal. The deal could be worth as much as $13 million annually, would make Federer one of the top paid endorsers at all of Nike. You know, it's interesting, Nathan. Federer negotiated his current deal, which calls for him to wear Nike apparel and shoes in 2002 without an agent. 
And his contract was for a million dollars. Are you kidding me? Wow. You know, I was just talking with you earlier about this, Brian. I have a friend that works at Nike, and just the other day was Roger Federer Day at Nike, and a really cool event. I think one that only Federer or that type of athlete could do. Federer was on campus all day long, passing out towels at the Lance Armstrong building. He was doing aerobics classes with people, and he was even working the cash register at the Nike Cafe for an hour, introducing himself to people. It takes a special type of athlete to be able to be that open with all the people out there. Well, and it's brilliant by Roger Federer and the people around him. Listen, the people at Nike are helping make these athletes icons. So if you go out there and you uh, grip and grin for a day and you spend some time with those employees, they're going to work that much I harder for you, Pete right? I can't see Pete doing that kind of stuff. No, there's a lot of athletes that wouldn't do that kind of stuff. That's why I'm saying Roger Federer, tip your hat to him because he gets it. He says, you know what, these people are working hard for me. I can mingle with them for a day, and he probably had fun coming to well, campus. Well, you know what's different about Federer? He still hasn't established his own brand yet the same way we saw Agassi, and Federer is by far a greater player than Agassi was, but there's still no Roger Federer emblems the same way that we see the Andre Agassi A on the old Nike gear, and I think uh, that's a state of tennis right now. Well, but as someone who's probably going to be paid $13 million a year, I would say that Roger Federer is going to be much more visible and much more of a priority for Nike. Our next headline, the San Diego Chargers and the New Orleans Saints will play in London on October 26th in the NFL's second regular season contest to be played outside in North America. That's according to the San Diego Union Tribune. The Saints will be the home team for the game, which will most likely be played in Wembley Stadium. Again, this is the NFL trying to get its brand exposure in other countries. We saw they played abroad this year, and they're going to be going in October to play another game in Europe. The success that they have had overseas has been huge in Mexico City. And then in Wembley just this year, I think that we're going to see this expand even further into Europe, maybe even Asia. But, you know, it, good, kudos to the NFL for doing it. Well, yeah, like you said, if the NFL can draw over 100,000 people in Mexico City for the Cardinals and 49ers, I think they could do as well, if not better, at Wembley Stadium for two better teams, the Saints and the Chargers. Our next headline, did you see last weekend's uh, NHL All-Star Game on Versus? At the tail end of the Sports Center highlights. Yeah, I didn't see it either, and it earned a 0.76. That's basically about 300,000 people in all of North America tuning in. Nathan, there is now talk that after the 2009 All-Star Game, which will be in Montreal, there's not an All-Star Game in 2010 because it's an Olympic year. They may do away with the All-Star Game after 2009 because this thing gets such horrible ratings and such poor attendance. It has almost no visibility. I got a better idea. Why don't you do the All-Star Game outside in a stadium outside the same way we saw it earlier this year? Yeah, or I've read other suggestions that they should just play it on the moon. I mean, whatever they're doing right now, and listen, not having Sidney Crosby hurts them, not having him at the All-Star game. But is zero That's not going to draw the casual fan, though. Well, Sidney Crosby is a big draw. He is their biggest draw. But still, he's not going to increase their ratings by two or three points. Their ratings are dismal. We've said this for years on this show. The only time they haven't had bad ratings was for the New Year's Day game that was outside in Buffalo. It's been brutal. So... Uh, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think it probably wouldn't be the worst idea if they just said we're going to scrap the All-Star game altogether. Coming up next, we're going to break down the enormous business of Super Bowl 42. How much are people going to pay for tickets? What's the economic impact for Arizona? How much are the players going to make on the winning and losing teams? We'll have all of that information and more for you next 
on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000. The year before you bought the Mavericks, they were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. Brian Berger and Nathan Roach back with you here on Sports Business Radio. And it is Super Bowl 42 weekend. It's the New York Giants and the New England Patriots. And there's a lot of stuff obviously going on on the field, but we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about everything that's going on off the field, the business surrounding the Super Bowl, really the biggest sporting event in North America. Nathan, tons of media come out to cover this thing. A Super Bowl record, 4,786 media credentials have been issued by the NFL for this game. If you can't get a press pass and you got to buy a ticket, tickets on the secondary market are going for almost $4,300 a ticket. I read about someone selling a suite for $234,000. So, you know, we are in a recession right now, or the economy is not doing great. You would never know it by the numbers that are being thrown around, spent on ads and and spent on tickets. Sure you would. There's no middle class anymore. It's just upper class and lower class, and certainly the upper class are the ones attending these games. You know, did you get us on the credential list, by the way, for the Super Bowl? Uh, No, you know, I'd rather just uh, watch on TV. And speaking of TVs, Nathan, that's a great segue. $2.2 billion worth of of HDTVs are sold I a bought year. One. Bought one last year. And this is the biggest week for high-definition TV sales of the entire year. This week and the week of the Final Four NCAA tournament. So a lot of people went out this week and said, you know what, I want a TV for the big game. I'm having a Super Bowl party. And they went out and spent money on the TV. Now let's talk about the economic impact for the NFL because the NFL, you know, a lot of a lot of numbers to throw around here. First of all, the NFL athletes that are playing in this game, the Patriots and the Giants. If you're on the winning team, each player takes home $78,000. If you're on the losing team, each team gets $40,000. This is really chump change for a lot of these guys. This is like, you know, party money or flying their family to the game, having a fun Super Bowl week. But, uh, you know, it is money in the pocket nonetheless. Well, sure. Major League Baseball players, I think, make more for winning the World Series than the NFL players do for uh, for winning the Super Bowl. I think, uh, what did we talk about, $250,000 uh, for World Series just to make it to the World Series. So that's leaps and bounds above NFL athletes. Now, the league's biggest take is for merchandise hawked at the game venue at the NFL.com store, retail stores across the country. The sales record for such merchandise was set in 1997. 
That was $125 million. Was that the Green Bay Packers that year? I think it was. Yeah, I did not look that up, but uh, someone can research it, that and send it to us. Since, Stat boy. Since we were too lazy to do that. Now, the league also reaps a majority of the proceeds from the ticket sales, which will amount to about $57.6 million this year, given a sellout crowd of 72000 at Glendale uh, University of Phoenix Stadium. It's also worth noting that the advertising revenues for the Super Bowl broadcast on Fox are not shared with the NFL. Total ad spending on the game and surrounding coverage could reach $275 million. As we've said many times, a 30-second spot is selling for a record $2.7 million. The Super Bowl host TV network, Nathan, always gets to keep 100% of the revenues. These networks pay Hundreds of millions of dollars, sometimes billions of dollars to the NFL for the rights fees. So you've got, what, Fox, CBS, NBC. They rotate the Super Bowl. This year it happens to be Fox. This is one of the ways that they make up payment of those rights fees. And just a couple years ago, we were talking about how astronomical it was to buy a Super Bowl ad at $1 million, and now we've already jumped up to $2.7 million. What's unique about the Super Bowl, unlike other athletic events, is the casual fan is not just your typical male audience. Females sit down, and that's because of the commercials during the Super Bowl. Most of the people watch them for the commercials. 36% 36% of all viewers tuning into the Super Bowl watch them for the commercials. They don't care about the game. They just want to see the ads. We'll get to that in a minute in a teaser coming up in our next segment. Denny Galati. He's the vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch has seven ads to the tune of about $18 million in this year's Super Bowl. He's going to talk to us about their spots and the whole process of creating a Super Bowl spot. A few more numbers. The Arizona Super Bowl host committee is projecting an economic impact between $400 and $500 million on the local Phoenix economy. Hotels are sold out. Restaurants and party spaces are booked. Some local residents there, and keep in mind, Phoenix, you know, a nice city. They've got some huge houses there. Some of the big houses for the, the high rollers, twenty five grand a week. That's pretty good money. I, I could go on a nice vacation if someone wanted to pay me twenty five grand to rent my house out for a week. Yeah, if you were smart, you'd go rent a hotel room downtown months in advance and then rent your house out and make the money. Now, another thing here, this is always a fun stat, makers of snacks, soda, the beer, the tortilla chips, this is their biggest week of the year, too. It's, uh, what is it, $261 million in sales when you combine all those things together this week. 10 million pounds of tortilla chips alone are sold this week for the big game, so the the you know snack industry loves this week. Well, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, when I think food and drink at a Super Bowl party, I think chips and salsa, and I think beer. I don't really think of anything else, so that doesn't surprise me that much. But uh, I don't know if we consume 10 million pounds of chips the whole rest of the year combined. Now, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> Do I don't, you, Brian? No, I don't eat a lot of chips. We will be dining at Morton's watching the Super Bowl, so uh, I'm I'm excited to do that. I'll be consuming steak and lobster. And beer. Well, I'll be consuming beer. Okay. Maybe I'll just drink my dinner. Yeah. yeah be, it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we saw some teaser campaigns come out this week. T-Mobile put out a teaser spot, kind of a prelude to their spot with Charles Barkley and Dwayne Wade. Victoria's Secret put out a prelude to their spot with 26-year-old Brazilian model Adriana Lima. 
Those are both on sportsbusinessradio.com on the blog. Uh, Justin Timberlake, that spot leaked out. The Pepsi spot, I thought it was a very clever spot. Budweiser, Bud Light, they leaked some of their spots. So not as many leaks as there were last year, Nathan. We remember that nationwide spot with Kevin Federline got tons and tons and tons of downloads before the game. So by the time the Super Bowl came around, you'd already seen it all over YouTube. This year, the companies are are guarding their spots much more closely. Well, I think it's tricky because... On one hand, if you leak it early, then it only hypes it up more, and you get more people watching it and interested in it. If you don't leak it, then you chance, well, are people going to stay tuned to it? When am I going to buy my spot? Am I going to buy it at the beginning or the end of the game? But by leaking it early, you expose so many more people that may not even watch the Super Bowl, but forward that link on to friends and family. Yeah, it's viral marketing, viral advertising, and it's not costing you a penny. And if you're going to pay $2.7 million you just You might as well get time, as much as you can out of it. Right, and you're probably paying, uh, you know, an additional million dollars or so to produce your spot. That's something else we'll ask uh, Denny Galati about. How much does it cost to produce one of these Super Bowl spots? That's coming up in our next segment. Uh, Several movies uh, are going to run ads during this one. The one that I'm probably looking forward to the most, this is also on our blog, the new Will Ferrell movie, Semi-Pro. That's New Line Cinemas. That looks like it's going to be a pretty funny movie. Will Ferrell's hilarious. Well, that's another spot that they leaked early, too, is uh, if you go to YouTube and type it in, you'll see Will Ferrell just about naked with a basketball in an appropriate place. But a fantastic spot, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Blades of Glory was amazing. This is like a totally different subject altogether, but... Will Ferrell's like naked in all of his movies. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's, old that's in the contract. I mean, it's very, very funny. Brian's favorite part. Uh, no. Uh, Under Armour. This is another company. You know, we talk about Anheuser-Busch. They've got a $500 million a year marketing budget. They're spending $18 million just on the ad time for this game. Under Armour is kind of the other extreme of this. They're spending $5.4 million on a 60-second spot. Their entire marketing budget for this year... $16 million. So they're spending about a third of their overall marketing budget on this one spot. Nathan, this is the example of the company that is really going for broke. If this doesn't work out for them, they're in big trouble. Well, see, you know, I, I don't know if I would do that. I've said before, I mean, space it out. If you're a company like Under Armour, buy two spots, one during the AFC Championship, one during the NFC Championship. Get double the exposure. There's lots of people, especially this year, watching both games. So I think it's difficult and a company like that to spend that amount of money. I think it's a total risk. But, you know, with risk comes reward, and we've seen that happen with Under Armour. There's also another ad to keep your eyes open for. I think it's from Pepsi as well. I'm pretty sure it's them. Um, It's called Bob's House, and it's a silent ad. And it's for the hearing impaired community. And I've seen the ad. It's on YouTube. Uh, If you just uh, YouTube Bob's house, I think it's still up there. Really interesting ad. So um, I think it's going to get critical acclaim and uh, open up a lot of eyes and get people to maybe think about things. that You watch the ad and um, you get to see literally for 60 minutes what it's like to not hear. It was very well done. So keep your eyes on that ad. And I commend Pepsi, I think it was. I'm almost positive it's Pepsi for spending $2.7 million to raise awareness. No, that's great. And this is a great platform to do something like this. Something else we're seeing that's unique and new is teaser ads for ads. And we we see it here with T-Mobile. If you go to YouTube right now, you you know the Charles Barkley, Dwayne Wade ads where Dwayne Wade is trying to get into Charles Barkley's top five. Well, now T-Mobile has teased 
that ad for the Super Bowl saying, is Dwayne Wade finally going to get into Charles Barkley's top five? That's a pretty unique concept, trying to involve people in the storyline that uh, has been going on for the past year or so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that ad as well. Now, there's lots of parties going on in Phoenix um, and, you know, you this is where you mix the sports celebrities and the entertainment celebrities, people from the music world. Uh, Cardinals quarterback Matt Leinart's having a party. Nick Lachey, his buddies down there, Reggie Bush. Um, you know, all these different parties. You see Maxim and Playboy and uh, EA and just a lot of different companies having parties, raising awareness for their products. And, um, you know, so there's, there's different ways to spend your money. You can spend your money with a $2.7 million commercial in the Super Bowl and reach, you know, 90 million people or more. Or you can do a lot of stuff on the ground there in Phoenix. There's going to be 72,000 fans at the game. There's going to be many more in bars and restaurants around the game and in hotels. So different word-of-mouth marketing can sometimes be just as effective as running an ad. Coming up next, we are going to talk to Anheuser-Busch, Vice President of Creative Development, uh, Denny Galati. He's been with Anheuser-Busch for 28 years. He's been a part of many of the popular ad campaigns that you and I have watched on TV. Dude. Dude is my favorite one right now. We're going to ask him about that, but we're going to ask him, hey, you bought seven ads in the Super Bowl. Tell us how you came up with the creative for these ads. Do you get to choose where you place these ads? Lots of questions coming up next for Denny Galati of Anheuser-Busch. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Ads during Fox's broadcast of Super Bowl 42 are selling for $2.7 million per 30 seconds. Anheuser-Busch has purchased seven ads at a price tab of over $18 million. Joining us this week is Denny Galati. He's the vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch. He's been with them for about 28 years. Denny, thanks for making time to join me this week. Hey, Brian, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to, to be talking to you. Denny, explain to our listeners, if you would, what your role is as the vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch. Well, Brian, actually, I I work with Bob Lackie. Uh, We're in the creative area developing all the TV ads that go out for Anheuser-Busch. And uh, my role is to work with the agencies, um, and we sit in presentations and review ideas. And uh, through, you know, Bob and our senior management, these ideas are are selected. And at that time, um, I actually work with the agencies in developing the ideas, I mean, in producing the ideas, 
and uh, and then also going as far as trafficking them through the networks and cable TV where we run them. Yeah, you know, a lot of people wonder, they see these brilliant ads that you guys do on TV, and we see the finished product, but we don't get to see what is it like to go from the idea stage all the way through to what we see on TV. Can you walk us through that process a little bit? Sure, sure I can. Um, you know, virtually, let's say for Super Bowl, we'll we'll start getting our ideas in October um, of that uh, the, the previous year, and uh, we'll have four or so or five agencies come in with ideas for uh, our premier brands, Budweiser, Bud Light, you know, Michelob brands like that, and we'll review these ideas. And um, at that time, we will, uh, you know, we'll kind of feather through them. We'll talk, we'll talk them over. We'll select the best, what we think are the best for the programming like, let's say if it's going to be running on Super Bowl, does it have an entertainment value to it? Are, they, are the, are the um, ideas that we're looking at, are they perfect for the positioning of each one of the brands? Are they communicating the right message? Is it helping build the image of each one of the brands? And so we select our ideas after we go through this, this process of just reviewing them, talking about them. Once we actually select the ideas, we, our agencies will then go out and select and we'll talk to directors about how we can plus out, you know, the, uh, the concept. And as an example, a Bud Light spot, how could we, how could we make them even funnier or, or uh, make sure that the story is told in a more simple way and so that consumers can see them. So we pick our directors and production companies through our agencies. And at that point, uh, we get into production and uh, that usually takes one day for, let's say, one spot generally. And uh, after that point, we get our edits in and we, we look at the, uh, all the different edits. And we may, um, you know, our agency may give us three or four edits at one time. We look over uh, different endings, different ways to tell the story. Uh, we work through that over a week or two period. And from that point, we come up to the final edit. And in a Super Bowl situation, in most of our advertising, we go to research. And we go ask our beer consumers what they think of the ads. And they'll tell us um, generally what, um, you know, a likability study or our report on how, you know, from 0 to 10, 1 to 10, uh, whether they like it or dislike the ad. They'll tell us uh, if it communicates, you know, the brand's positioning, which you know, what did you get from that brand? What did it, uh, um, you know, what did it say about the brand? So we'll get all of this information, and then we'll decipher it through research. And particularly, particularly for Super Bowl, uh, we will actually produce somewhere around uh, 20 or 25 different ads, and from that we'll hone it down to the best seven or so that go on the game. That's got to cost you quite a bit of money in production, doesn't it? I mean, you know, here you're spending $2.7 million for a spot. Give me some rough estimate, if you can, as to what a typical ad costs production-wise. Well, generally, Brian, they, they range. And, and it, it really does depend on how much post-work each one of the, the ads um, will have. It, it will require it, it requires how much uh, activity, let's say, in a Clydesdale ad, uh, some of the training of the Clydesdale to do certain things. So that really varies a lot, but uh, yeah, there is there's money being spent in production. But when you look at a venue like Super Bowl, and you see, you know, we have purchased, and in this situation, we have four minutes on the Fox game this Sunday. Uh, there's a lot of money being spent, but when you look at the audience that we are actually um, uh, 
you know, getting to show our commercials too. There's over 90 million people, of which 80% of them are over 21 years of age. And, it, and when, you, when you start doing the math, it actually comes out to be a very efficient buy because for the number of people that you hit and the dollars that you spend, it really is a good venue for us getting our message through. And don't forget the Super Bowl also, one of the great things about it is a great venue for the audience who really want to see the game and the advertising. Right. So they are so locked in to actually watching the game, but when the ads start up, they're locked into watching the ads. So you're not getting the clicking off and, and you know, surfing through other channels as, you know, like you will be in other programs. You are getting true viewership because they're wanting to see everything. Yeah, they say 36% of the people who watch the game watch only for the ads. Denny, let me ask you about this. You know, there's a writer's strike going on right now. There may not be an Oscars broadcast, and that is usually a huge target for advertisers. Because that broadcast may not happen and because this writer's strike is going on, there's not a lot of fresh content on TV, don't you think the Super Bowl this year is even more of an attractive buy for sponsors? Well, I'll tell you what. I think it is. I think the Super Bowl... Uh, this year, given the fact that New England is going for their their historic uh, record-breaking 19-0, and 0, uh, that's going to play into the, the amount of viewership that you're going to see. I mean, we're watching history. Along with, I do think that, you know, the Super Bowl is the largest viewing program, um, you know, in the country during the year. It's number one. And, it's the, you know, it's, it's the venue that everybody wants to see and watch. And so to us, I mean, there's not a better place to debut our ads because, you know, from our retailers and our consumers, they expect the leader to be there. And Anheuser-Busch being number one in the industry is just stating that, you know, not only is, is it a, a, a very economical way, it's an efficient way to get our message through, actually, because of the number of people we're reaching, but it's also telling people that, hey, you can expect this. You, you, you are expecting it from the number one brewer. And when you, when you also take into consideration uh, a lot of the PR that we get and me talking to you here right now, the, the message is so big for us that uh, from our sales force who go out there and build displays and, you know, because of what's coming up with Super Bowl, it's just a nice time to get our complete sales team motivated in, in selling beer, and that's what it's all about, actually, for us. My guest is Denny Galati. He's the vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch has an annual marketing budget, according to my research, of about $500 million. Um, let me ask you this, Denny. You know, we see the use of stars in ads. Last year in one of your ads, you had uh, Don Shula, the former Dolphins coach. You had Jay-Z. You've utilized uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. when he was racing under the Budweiser uh, brand. W give me your thoughts on the use of stars, because a lot of these ads are going to have celebrities in them versus the use of people that uh, may be very funny but aren't the notable celebrities that uh, are in some of the other ads. No, and I'll tell you what, it, that is, you know, depending on the actual spot itself, some of them, um, you know, one thing that's really fun and, and the Bud Light brand with its, with its personality of being entertaining and being humorous it helps us not only, you know, there are times when a celebrity is called upon because it makes the spot bigger, or maybe it's, it's, it's something that is, um, is enhanced by that, that, um, that comedian because he does it in a certain way that can really make that even a, 
a bigger spot than what it is. But, you know, there's a lot of spots because of our misdirect and the positioning that we have for Bud Light that really, uh, you know, helps us pay off, you know, for a pretty good spot. Now, this year, I can tell you that, um, you know, we're going to have a celebrity again. If you'll recall, um, last year we had Carlo, Carlos Mencia, and he helped us, helped, helped us in a spot called Classroom. And in that, he was kind of teaching his students and how to really, you know, you know, look at in the U.S. and and uh, things to um, to think about when they're going out and talking to people. But the one thing you always keep in mind is that when they say, "Hey, you know, you know, what about? Can I have your Bud Light?" It's like, "Hey, I know speaking English." Yeah, that's so very we funny. Him, you remember that spot, and that was really one of the spots that was number one on other polls besides USA Today, for example, on the Wall Street Journal, it was the number one ad. So we brought Carlos back, and he's going to be doing another ad and doing and being in a very familiar situation where he is a teacher, and he is going to be telling his students exactly how to, what's the proper way to introduce themselves in a situation where they would want to meet the opposite sex. And so he goes up there and he does his spiel, and it's a really funny uh, a gig. So bottom line is, is Carlos really does help us plus out an ad like that. But we also have other ads um, in this year's Super Bowl that, uh, that are just as surprising. And they have cast members that, um, you know, are just regular actors that come in and help us deliver that message of humor as well. A lot of people ask me, Denny, do you get to pick your placement within the game for the spot or do you just get what they give to you? Well, I will tell you that, uh, when you buy four minutes of advertising, uh, it does help you get some of the better placement. Uh, for example, um, we are we are going to have the 1A uh, placement this year, as we do generally in every year, which is right after kickoff, which is a which is a nice position. And and so to answer your question, in a lot of the pods, the eight positions, um, you know, they're they're kind of a preferred area to be at in uh, in the game, but the game is so big and there's so many advertisers that here, um, you know, you could, you can be anywhere among the 40 advertisers and your advertising is going to be seen. But yes, we, we do have, uh, you know, we have some prime positioning where, where, you know, because we do commit, um, you know, over multiple years that, that we are given some uh, latitude on what positions we want. But overall, uh, like for example, again, we have a Clydesdale, that's going to be done this year, and it will be a 60 in the second quarter. And that's exactly where we wanted it. So uh, it helps us when we buy, you know, the type of programming and the amount of program we are buying on that program. Denny, we've got just a few minutes left. Last year, your Super Bowl spots were viewed over 30 million times online after the game. This year, you're going to ask viewers to rate your commercials online and on their mobile devices. There's also going to be a secret spot that can be viewed online after the game. Talk to us about the element of the online uh, campaign, because we're seeing that more and more with not only Anheuser-Busch, but with other sponsors are trying to drive traffic to their website through their Super Bowl spots. Uh, Brian, you re- you bring up a very good point here. Um, nowadays, it's it's beyond just television advertising. It's very big to be on the Super Bowl and being watched that day. But now, um, you know, if 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 you're in the know and you know what's going on in the world, the internet and the dot coms and everybody else are out there, and it, there's just much more viability for us to get exposure for all of this work. 
So, yes, we're going to be all over the Internet, but specifically I think you're referring to, which is a great program, uh, during the Super Bowl, um, anybody can go into our BudBowl.com site, and they can sign up. And what you do is you sign up um, by stating, you know, hey, just give us your, your cell phone number, and you just answer the question, is this, this, yes. What they'll do during the game when you're watching it, when you see our ad, we will ask you to rate that ad. And you tell us whether you liked it, um, whether you didn't like it, and give it its score. At the end of the game, because you did per- participate on BudBowl.com, we are going to show you a secret spot that no one really got to see during the Super Bowl. So it's, it's a kind of a fun way to say, hey, join in with us, have some fun with it, um, you know, rate it so we know exactly where you feel we were um, positioned within that game. But, you know, we're going to give you a little prize at the end of it. We're going to give you a secret spot that nobody else could see just by participating on BudBull.com. Final question. Are you a Bud or a Bud-like guy? You say you've been with the company for 28 years. Which is it? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I enjoy both of them. Depending on my mood when I get downstairs, uh, the first beer of the day for me when I'm going to be with my friends, I drink Budweiser. And then when I, you know, when I'm sitting there and I'm just wanting to enjoy another a light beer at any given time, I join. I run over to Bud Light. So I enjoy both of them, Brian. Well, I, I got to really tell do. you, I, I love your campaigns. My favorite campaign that you've run in the last few years is the dude, dude. I, I love <laughs> that. Is that's me and my friends and most of my friends. I mean, it's just so funny. It's so uh, simple. But it's so, so clever. So I really uh, enjoyed having you on. Guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses. Morton's the steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest, you go online to mortons.com. Again, Denny, I know you're very busy this weekend. Good luck with your uh, big ads during the Super Bowl. We'll all be watching closely. Well, thank you, Brian, for having me. And uh, I just uh, want to say... um, Hey, let's uh, enjoy the game, and I hope everybody enjoys the ads along with it. I'm sure we will, and like you said earlier, uh, Anheuser-Busch has won USA Today's Ad Meter Award for the best Super Bowl spot nine consecutive years. We'll see if it's ten. Well, we hope so. We're going we're gonna to give it a shot. Thanks, Danny. You take care. Thank you, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Green Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. 
The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back with our final segment on this weekend's edition of Sports Business Radio. And, Nathan, uh, Campbell's Chunky Soup has a nice promotion going on this week. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, well, quarterback Matt Hasselback from the Seattle Seahawks and Chargers running back with Danny and Tomlinson, who have been featured in this season's Campbell's Chunky Soup Mama's Boys campaign, will announce a $1 million can donation to the food banks across the country on behalf of the Campbell's Soup Company. The players' moms will distribute a 1,000 cans of Campbell's Chunky Soup on behalf of the Cardinals to the St. Mary's Food Bank in Phoenix for hosting the Super Bowl this year. Brian, I know you're familiar with uh, St. Mary's Food Banks. Yeah, I'm from Phoenix, and uh, I've served food there, and uh, it's a great, great place. And kudos to Campbell's Chunky Soup for uh, this big donation. Uh, You know, hunger is one of the biggest problems in this country, so uh, kudos to them for using this platform and uh, helping the hunger issue in our country. Uh, I'm heading to Phoenix this week. I'm going to be the guest of Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver at the Suns game. Uh, this week, so it'll be nice to kind of follow him around, get a behind-the-scenes look, and then I will bring my conversation with him to this show next week. He will be our featured guest. Uh, I think the Phoenix Suns are a fantastic organization. They're really one of the best in the NBA. Sarver has done amazing things since he purchased the team in 2004. And you get to watch your boy, Steve Nash. Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion, my favorite team in the NBA, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm even going to tee it up a little bit uh, while I'm down in Arizona, and that might be scary because I haven't played golf in about six months. Lots of thank yous on this week's show. Denny Galati, who is the vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch, really insightful stuff from him. I appreciate him taking the time during this busy weekend. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Training, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to SportsBusinessRadio.com and click on the podcast page. Enjoy Super Bowl 42. Should be a good one. Lots of great ads to watch. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next weekend. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. (laughs) Or at (laughs) sportsbusinessradio.com.